Good morning. Thanks, Sue. I used to have some hobbies collecting things. Um, I, I collected stamps, mostly from foreign countries. Um, I collected pennies. I think my oldest one was from um, 1928. Uh, I looked at the value at the time; it was worth uh, about about five cents. Uh, but every time I got a new penny, I would look at the year and see if it was worth adding to my collection. I also collected comic books. I used to have a lot. I like reading through them, like the whole superhero thing. They're kind of normal hobbies. They aren't very weird. Do any of you? Do you guys?、Uh, anybody have any weird hobbies? Any weird? What are your weird hobbies? Taking pictures of cars. Lego. Lego?、Uh, my my son plays with Lego. I don't think that's weird. There's one last thing I used to collect, and my wife doesn't even know about this. When I was younger, I had a I had a really unique hobby. I used to collect movie trailers from the internet, and this was back in the early 2000s.、Uh, YouTube was not around yet. YouTube was invented in about 2005. New ones would come out, and I would download them to my computer and rewatch them, especially all the action adventure movies. I loved action adventure movies. They were the st- size of postage stamps on your computer,、um, but I loved them, and I had a I had a 56k modem downloading them, and you had to download the whole movie before it would play. There was no streaming, and they would take 20 to 40 minutes to download, and that was fast. These days, if we click a link, and it doesn't load within the first,、uh, I, I read an article. If something doesn't load within the first three to six seconds,、uh, we give up and move on, right?、We're、like、oh, that link doesn't work, so you give up and move on, like onto something else, right? Twenty、um, to forty minutes, man. Times have changed, right? The job of a movie trailer is to show you maybe some of the best parts of the movie to try to get you to see the whole movie, right? It's basically one long advertisement. And after finishing a movie, one thing I like to do is to look it up and read all about the trivia and the behind the scenes of the movie. I, I'm I'm interested in how movies are made and what else is going on. And one thing that you notice、um, about movies is that there's so much work behind the scenes, right? Right. You, you, we might see five to six cast members, the main cast, and maybe fifteen to thirty to forty supporting people in the cast, right? You, you see the the long list of credits at the very end of a movie, right? But after that, there are hundreds, hundreds, several hundred people's names scrolling up, right? And we kind of ignore those names, right? We're like, okay, whatever. All of them are needed, though, to make a successful movie. I know that some people don't even want to see any movie trailers because they don't want to be spoiled. They don't want to know anything about the movie. They want to be completely surprised. Maybe you're like that. Anybody like you, movie coming out? You don't want to see anything. You don't want to see anything. I see Eileen nodding her head. Okay, yeah. You don't want to know anything, right? The same goes for sports too. People don't want to be spoiled. A couple months ago, right after church, I I saw Mike watching a football game on his phone, and he is watching it on delay, so he didn't know the outcome. He didn't know the final score. He didn't know if his football team had won or not. That week, I happened to know the outcome already. 
and they had lost, unfortunately. And I was walking by, I almost said to him, hey, too bad, too bad about the Rams, huh? <laughs> I almost said that. That would have been a spoiler. That would have been a career-ending move. <laughs> but you already know I didn't say that because I, I still work here. I had a fifth grade teacher who liked to be spoiled. And he said, he told us, all fifth graders, he said when he would pick up a book, the first thing he would do is read the last chapter first. And it's completely confusing because you don't know any of the characters, you don't know the context of what's going on, but he would read the last chapter first. Anyone else do that? Really? That's wrong. You have no idea what's going on. You don't know any of the characters' names, and you just read the last chapter first. And he explained to us, he did that so he would know how the book ended. There'd be no surprises. I would say most of us don't want to be spoiled when it comes, comes to the ending of a, of a movie or a sports game or a book, Right? Well, today we're going to go through the final three chapters in the book of Daniel. And I know it seems like a lot, but I will summarize a lot as we go. All right, so before we tackle this, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we know you sent the angels to be with us, ministering to us in spirit. I pray that you convict our hearts, Father, to live holy and righteous lives, to live in the here and now for our future. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today's three-chapter tour is like one big, massive movie trailer, partial spoiler alert and behind the scenes. It's like an in-depth, partial look of the end times. And we're going to do three chapters at once, because it's one cohesive story. I want to summarize the book of Daniel, and I know you guys, we've been, we've been on this for about a year now uh, with me, or uh, more than a year. Um, but let me summarize quick. Uh, the first six chapters are very easy to follow along with. All right? They're all stories. Chapter one, Israel is conquered, conquered by Babylon, and they're carried off to a foreign place, right? And they, they, have, to new, they have to learn a new language, a new culture, even eat new foods. Chapter 2, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a statue, and only Daniel can interpret that dream. Chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They, uh, they're thrown into a fire furnace for not bowing down to an image uh, of gold, but they are rescued. Chapter 4, King Nebuchadnezzar has a dream of a big tree that represents him, actually. Chapter 5, King Belshazzar sees writing on the wall, but he dies later that same night. Only Daniel is able to interpret the dream. Mene, mene, tekel, parson. Remember that? Chapter 6, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, right? Daniel in the lion's den. But then we get to the second half of the book, right? And it's all visions and, and uh, crazy things. Daniel has a vision of four great beasts, a lion with wings, a bear, a leopard with four heads, and a beast with ten horns, remember? Chapter 8, we skip, but Daniel has a vision of a ram and a goat. Chapter 9, Daniel prays for forgiveness for Israel's sins. And today, we're going to take chapters 10, 11, and 12 all at once. All right, so let's go on this wild ride. Are we ready? All right. 
in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. Its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. All right, to start off, just a vision of a great war. That's easy, right? At the time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. I think it might be easy to say no meat or wine or lotion, no problem. What's the big deal? No meat or wine to us today means like no shopping at Whole Foods, right? No lotions means uh, no shopping at Bed Bath and Body Works, right? And this is, this is normal food to us today, but meat and wine weren't as readily available back then. So what this really meant was that Daniel restricted his diet and he had less personal hygiene. If you've ever had depression, whether clinical or situational, then you'll understand Daniel here. You might be able to empathize with Daniel. There have been a few times in my life when some stuff happened and I didn't eat and I didn't take care of my personal hygiene. I didn't care about my grades. I didn't care whether I saw my friends or not. It was pretty difficult to care about anything. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. So when I read this, and I, again, I think it can, be, it can be easy to mock this, but I read this as this revelation, this vision that he got was so disturbing that he didn't care about food or taking care about himself. That's how this series, this vision was and how much it affected him. Daniel mourned for three weeks. Daniel mourned for three weeks. I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Euphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face was like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. You ever seen a movie or a show where they, they're showing that some godlike creature person, and when they speak, they use a, thin, a synthesizer for their voice, right? And it sounds like, it sounds very majestic and strong and powerful, right? And it makes it much more like ominous and awe-inspiring, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, that's, that's, that's what I... I envision when he says, this voice was like the sound of a multitude. Daniel has a hard time describing this vision, right? It's not like he can whip out his phone and take a picture of it, right? The best he can do is describe it in terms that he knows, like fine metals, fine precious metals, gold, topaz, and bronze. Everything he, about the description expresses power, right? Or glory or majesty, right? We don't, we don't know this man. Uh, we don't know who he is. He never says his name. There's various theories, but honestly, we don't know. But it responds, and I'm skipping to verse 12. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. Daniel, I know you're freaked out right now, but it's all good. Don't be afraid. We know you've been humbling praying, and I'm here to give you an answer, kind of. It's all good. And it's interesting, this man gives a little context about himself. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. So the man is saying, I actually would have come sooner, but I was busy for three weeks battling the prince of Persia, which is a fun video game, by the way. And the movie was okay. But then Michael came and helped me out. We'll talk more about this later. Now, I've come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future, for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So to summarize, Daniel, we see that you tried to make sense of this crazy world, so I've come in response to give you some answers, kind of. 
You ever stop to think about this? How many of us will want this for ourselves? If someone came to you right now and said, I've come to tell you what's happened, what will happen in your future, what would you say? Yes, no? I had to think about that for a moment for myself. It's easy to say, well, I want to know what college I'll go to, when I will get married, what are the, not lot, like, what are the lottery numbers, right? It's easy to say, those, say that because those are personal, private reasons. But what if it was, I'm going to tell you all the trials and difficulties you and your family and your people will endure and suffer through? That might be more difficult. So I can see why Daniel is freaked out when a heavenly visitor suddenly shows up and says the, th- says the things that he does. So now we get to chapter 11, the actual vision. So chapter 10, we just finished chapter 10. A man appears to Daniel, freaks him out, but reassures him, right? A man appears to Daniel, freaks him out, but reassures him. Chapter 11, the actual vision. The vision is actually two powerful empires battling out over the centuries, the king of the north and the king of the south. It gets very detailed and specific. There's skirmishes, there's fighting, there's political intrigue. There's like people trying to marry into the royal line, the whole nine yards. That's basically chapter 11. There are 45 verses in chapter 11. I'm only going to read three of them. Okay, we're going to skip most of chapter 11. Verse 11, then the king of the south will march out in rage and fight against the king of the north, who will raise a large army, but it will be defeated. Verse 15, then the king of the north will come and build up siege ramps and will capture a fortified city. The forces of the south will be powerless to resist. Even their best troops will not have the strength to stand. Verse 40, at the time of the end of the king of the south will engage him in, in battle, and the king of the north will storm out against him with chariots and cavalry and a great fleet of ships. He will invade many countries and sweep through them like a flood. I could read more, but you, you get the idea, right? The whole chapter is like this, battles, battles, and more battles. It's very specific, and, and you can read on your own if you're interested in the details. I'm only giving you a taste. Look, we're already in chapter 12, right? We're at the end of the book of Daniel. Chapter 10, a man appears and freaks out Daniel. Chapter 11, visions of, uh, a, a, a single vision of, of many battles. Chapter 12. And at this point in the vision, we are wrapping up. At the time, Michael, the great prince who protects your people, will arise. There will be a time of distress such as not, such as, such as, time of distress such as has not happened from the beginning of nations until then. But at the time, your people, everyone whose name is found written in the book, will be delivered. Sounds like there's this great prince named Michael protecting them in the middle of a time of distress behind the scenes where we don't see, just like the behind the scenes of a movie. If you've ever had somebody helping you through a tough time, then you understand this scene where like in public you might appear to be okay, but it's only because you were walking in private. I'm sorry, it was only because people were walking with you in private during your trials behind the scenes. If you've had dark times, hopefully people have walked with you helping you along. Verse 2, multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shaming everlasting contempt. These are the final two destinations for every human, everlasting life, the kingdom of heaven, or everlasting contempt, the depths of hell. And the man giving Daniel this vision affirms that. 
it's either one or the other. You see, we're, we're all sinners, and God is so holy, he, he cannot be in the presence of sinners. And so because of that, we are doomed to hell. But God loved us so much enough that he sent his own son to die for us on that cross, to take the punishment that we deserve, that whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him in faith will, eternate that inher- will, will inherit that eternal life. Daniel responds in verse 8, I heard, but I did not understand. So I asked, my Lord, what will the outcome of all this be? That entire vision that we skipped, right? But what, what's the outcome of all this? You, you show me the battle and all the skirmishes. It's horrible. This is a very understandable question. What, what's the end? It's like a sports game, right? Two teams battling it out. Watching the game might be fun, but really, we want to know who wins at the end of the, of the game, right? What's the final score? Will the Rams survive the wild card round tonight or not, right? We all want to know that. That's Daniel after today's vision. I want the spoiler. I want to know the ending. Just like my fifth grade teacher who would read the final chapter of a book, of a book first. What's the outcome? I have a feeling Daniel's not going to like the answer. He replied, <laughs> Go your way, Daniel, because the words are rolled up and sealed until the end, until the time of the end. The man answers, nope, not going to give you the spoiler. Vision's done, go away. After putting Daniel through all that, Daniel isn't eating well, he isn't taking care of his personal hygiene, he's freaked out. The man basically responds, eh, it's not for you to know anyway. Move along. Go along now. Daniel's taken behind the scenes to see a preview of the future, and he finds out that, one, this battle isn't temporary, and two, it's not all physical. There's a heavenly spiritual uh, conflict as well. Your prayers, Daniel, are part of this history. Your prayers, Daniel, is a part of this history. But you're a small cog in a huge wheel. And I think the huge wheel is so much bigger than Daniel realizes. I, I, I think it's bigger than what we realize. Daniel's all thinking, I just want my people to be freed. The whole Israel versus Babylon, when will we be freed under Babylonian oppression? And this man comes down and shows him a vision. He says, actually, what you've seen in your brief little life, Daniel, is just a small part of a huge, nearly eternal conflict. I can see why Daniel mourned for three weeks. So I want to talk just about two things from today's passage. The first point is that kingdoms are unstable. They come and they go, whether it's a country or an empire, there's always instability. Daniel's vision saw that then and we see that today. The kingdoms and countries on earth are unstable. And so, therefore, our hope is not in them or their power or their influence. Our trust is not in them, but in Christ, in Christ alone. As long as there's still human sin, there will always be instability. As I've said before in previous messages, our hope is not on one person or the government. Even us, we are called the United States of America, but we are not always 50 United States, 50 states who are united. We differ on a lot of things and a lot of ideologies. Don't get, me, don't get me wrong, this is not to say that we all have to be robots and we all have to think the same and have the same opinion. Our nation's diversity has made us stronger uh, at times in our history. But the way we have dealt with our internal conflict, especially in the past six to seven years, 
has been difficult. Evil is always unstable because it's rooted in sin. We like to follow our own wills, not God's wills. Think about that. We like to follow our own wills. But only God's will is stable and forever. Everything else is temporary. And we keep on fighting God week after week. And the kingdoms and countries here on earth are unstable because their gods are unstable. And really, they are non-existent gods anyway. I've talked about idol worship before. What we in other countries worship are fads, temporary. We worship entertainment. I spoke a couple times ago, we worship our phones, electronics, possessions, fame, power, sex, ambition, maybe position. Those are the things we worship, all the things that we like to have. We tend to put our hope in our bank accounts or our abilities to solve our problems. All those come to pass. We know that. That's why we set up wills and trust to, to set up to set up what happens with the, with the stuff after we pass. But we know it's temporary. Our trust should not be in our nation or our abilities or other people, which always change. Our trust is on the unchanging God. All earthly kings will eventually crumble. We know that. And our second, my second point, the conflict is spiritual, so our real weapon, our real weapon is prayer. We are caught up in a spiritual conflict, and I think we don't often recognize this, and I think it's understandable, myself included. We as humans, we tend to focus on things that we can see, not on what we cannot see. So I think this is the part that shocks Daniel. He probably just sees himself as a regular guy who's just praying along day by day, minding his own business. He doesn't realize how big the battle is, how big the war is. It's more than just Israel versus Babylon. This has huge, far-reaching historical and spiritual consequences. And I think this is eye-opening for Daniel to be, to be shown this part of a bigger picture. Even Paul recognizes this in the New Testament. In 2 Corinthians 4.18, So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. We have to fix our eyes on the unseen. We have to look for that. We have to fix our eyes on Jesus. The battle is spiritual. So Daniel never calls the man an angel, but I think it's, a safe, to, it's safe to say that he is, and that the, that the man, angel, is, is, being, is caught up in a, a spiritual conflict. Paul writes in Ephesians 6.12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle, our battle is not against flesh and blood humans. Our struggle, our battle is against the dark world and the spiritual forces of evil. And today, Daniel kind of gets this glimpse of the behind the scenes of it all. Angels battling and struggling was a real thing. Remember the man, he struggled for three weeks against the prince of Persia. So a lot happens in these three chapters, but in the middle of all the details, the vision is to encourage Daniel to be faithful in prayer. In James 5.16, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. With God, I know we pray every, you know, we, we pray every Sunday here, and hopefully uh, you guys are praying um, 
uh, we are praying regularly at, at home. With God, there can't be an inconsistency between the way we pray and the way we live. We cannot be inconsistent between the way we pray and we live. We should strive to be righteous. So the encouragement I want to give us all today is that we are never alone. Daniel's visions today reminds us that God's people are never alone. There is a lot happening behind the scenes, just like in the movies and the TV shows, even sports, right? We might watch a two- to three-hour football game, but behind the scenes, you know, the athletes are training 24-7, working out every day. Behind the scenes is important. We see this in everyday life, even this worship service. We come to church, sit down, stand up, sing a few songs, listen to a message, close in prayer, talk to a few people, grab a bite on the way out. But there's a lot behind the scenes to put together even this worship service. The worship team has to practice their songs. It takes a lot of time to, to build up and tear down the stage every week. People arrive early to set up the benches. Speaker has to prepare and practice this message uh, this entire week. The tech team has to set up live streaming, slides, lyrics, announcements. Church council, which meets today, meets once a month to discuss church matters, and they have to make decisions if necessary. A lot goes into the Sunday worship service, but that's the only thing that we see behind the scenes. And just like that movie trailer, the man is trying to show Daniel some part of history. It's a lot of battling, but in the end, it's all good. He's trying to encourage Daniel that his prayers are are not for naught. They're not for nothing. They're not going unheard. We hear you, Daniel. There's an end, and it is good. The end is very good. And just like the behind the scenes of a movie, he's showing him that, take heart, there's angels battling, fighting alongside you guys that you can't even see. Just like the behind the scenes of a movie that that, that we can't see, or the behind the scenes of a worship service that we cannot see. Daniel, you and your people are not alone. Daniel learns today that there are literal angels battling it out with the forces of evil. We can only see what we see, but there's a lot going on behind the scenes. We aren't alone. There are verses in the Bible that point to God's future plans. And they always, if you read them, they always say something something to the effect of, be holy now, be set apart now, be righteous now, be godly now. Our biblical response to the promises of heaven, to the promises of the future should be, live for that kingdom now, recognize his reign now. Be obedient now. Fulfill your present responsibilities now. 2 Peter 3.11, since everything will be destroyed in this way, okay, uh, verse 10, which you can read in your Bibles, he's talking about the end times. And so Peter says, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be now? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed is coming. Since everything is going away eventually, what kind of people should we be? We ought to live holy and godly lives as we look forward to the kingdom of heaven. With the world going downhill, we ought to live holy and godly lives. Then one day we may hear God say, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. Come and share your master's happiness. Because God's people will be different then, we should be different now. That's the That's the challenge of the entire book of Daniel. 
And I kind of reviewed Daniel uh, uh, in the beginning. Uh, be set apart now. Do you remember all the stories of chapters uh, 1 through 6? Basically, all these kings making up these crazy rules. And then Daniel and his friends are like, nope, we're not going to do it. Do this, right? They're, all the kings are like, do this or die, right? Be set apart now. Don't fall in line with the world. Be different now. Final slide. This is the very last verse in the book of Daniel. And I think it's appropriate we close with it. At the very end of the vision, the man gives Daniel a word of encouragement. I, I think it applies to us as well. As for you, go your way till the end. You will rest, and then at the end of the days, you will rise to receive your allotted inheritance. Go on your way. Live your life, Daniel. You will rest. You will pass away. But in the end, you will rise and enter the kingdom of heaven, your allotted inheritance. Read that again to yourselves. I'll wait. Daniel was told to go on with his life, even though he didn't fully understand what had been shown, right? He wants to know the end. He's not told. He's like, just go on. Go on, live your life. I think there are many times in a Christian's life when we have to trust God, even though we don't understand what God is doing. I think there's many times in our lives when we have to trust God, even though we don't understand what God is doing in our lives. Many of you know that my family has experienced a lot of health issues very recently, and we're still going through them. We don't understand what God is doing in our lives either, sure, but we trust that God will see us through. What a, if you read that, what a beautiful personal promise, right? What a fitting conclusion to the book of Daniel and, and for us today. So for us today, let's, let's be on our way. Let's go on our way, live our lives, living a righteous life, being righteous people, constantly praying. Eventually, we will, over here, I guess, eventually, we will all rest, and may we all rise to receive our allotted inheritance. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, down here on earth, sometimes it's difficult. We get distracted in entertainment and idols. We worship things that are not you. We focus on what we can only see. And we have our human sinful ambitions. Father, I pray that you send the Spirit down to us to convict our hearts. It's comforting to know there are angels battling alongside us. We lift those angels up to you in prayer. The battle belongs to you, Father. Help us see this. Help us live that life that you want us to live as a holy, righteous people set apart, to set apart our sinful desires, to look to you and only you, to trust in you and only you and your Son. In your Son's most holy and precious name, 
Amen.